Hello and welcome to another edition of Lights, Camera, Sports, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to have you on board today, which should be a very exciting show. Right as we are right in the middle of the NBA playoffs, I thought it'd be interesting to get one of the NBA producers for ESPN, Jonathan Lobovich, will join us here to talk about the NBA playoffs behind the scenes as he is the senior producer at ESPN covering those NBA playoff telecasts. First of all, Jonathan, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know him way back when I was a PA in Bristol at ESPN, but really appreciate the time. Hey, man, thanks. It's an honor to join such a prestigious podcast, man. I'm a huge fan, actually. That's, um, that's awesome. We always appreciate the feedback. And, in fact, you're in an airport right now. Tell us about the folks, about what you're up to in your travels. Yeah, I'm on my way to Los Angeles, uh, about to get underway with some meetings uh, for my summer gig after the playoffs is, uh, as an SB red carpet producer. So I'll start the week off in L.A. for a couple of days overseeing some meetings and then head on to Washington, D.C. for my next playoff game, which is kind of a bucket list for me because I'm a huge Celtics fan. and This is my first Celtics playoff game this week, so really excited. That's great. That's a perfect segue as we talk about your career progression. You grew up in Bill Ricca, Mass. Talk about that, and were you always interested in sports, and did you play sports? Yeah, uh, I grew up in Bill Ricca, Mass, and... uh, for those of you familiar or not familiar with that town, uh, very athletic, very competitive, uh, middle-class town uh, with a lot of people that love to uh, keep you on your toes. So I was always a sports fan growing up and went to a lot of Red Sox games and Celtics games and then played basketball and baseball all throughout my youth and, and into college. And, uh you know, I think being surrounded by four teams like the Celtics, Bruins, Patriots, and Red Sox, I think it was easy for me to kind of find my path. Yeah, no question about it. What, was it Tom Glavin from the Bill Ricker area? You mean Hall of Famer Tommy Glavin? Absolutely. <laughs> so that, yeah, you know, you're right. It's a proud tradition uh, just northwest of Boston growing up there. Talk about high school. You said you made, you played a couple sports there. Uh, how far did you go with that? I played uh, baseball and basketball for a couple years in in, in high school, and uh, I didn't play in my last two years of high school there, but I went on to play four years of baseball at Emerson and then two years of basketball at Emerson. So although uh, I didn't get to experience that, uh, you know, that varsity senior level in high school, Emerson allowed the opportunity for me to continue my love for sports and to play. That's pretty good. You skipped high school and went right to college. Exactly right, man. So why not? <laughs> so to talk about too, talk about your time at Emerson. Obviously, writing the great communication school in Boston, and uh, just talk about your experience in college. Uh, college was great. It's funny because uh, I had one college I wanted to go to, and I wanted to go to Emerson. And I think a lot of it had to do with uh, looking at all the other applications for the other schools. It's just too much work to fill out all those applications. <laughs> So Emerson was my first and only choice, and but sincerely wanted to go there because I knew it was going to allow me the future that I really wanted. So I was ex- uh, ecstatic to get uh, accepted and spend four great years in Boston. And then, you know, after college, take us to that time, the gap period before uh, you started working at ESPN. What were you up to? Well, it actually is a great story, and especially for the fans of this show, because... 
the the beginning part of my career goes back to Washington D.C., uh, which I mentioned earlier about doing a playoff game there in a couple days. But it's the site of the 1994 NCAA tournament game where Boston College upset North Carolina. Uh, I hope you're familiar with that mega, mega, mega moment in our history, Michael. Oh, of course, of course. Bill Curley, Howard Isley, no, no question about it. So I don't know if you remember that team, but, I mean, they loaded four seniors. The, good, the funny thing about that team, they, they lost 15 out of their first 16 games that year and uh, got pounded by Georgetown in the Big East tournament. by lost by, like, 23 versus a Dikembe Mutombe team. But um, my friends and I were uh, on a trip to uh, Panama City Beach, Florida, for spring break. But along the way, uh, they... Uh, were with me as I kind of ventured towards Atlanta on the way down to Panama City for a couple interviews uh, as I kind of was finding my way after college. This is in 1994, obviously. So they kind of joined me, and we we made a spring break out of it. We stopped in Atlanta. I did a couple interviews, and I had no idea where my future was going to go, but uh, we ended up in in Panama City and uh, for a couple days of, of partying. And uh, during... <laughs> During the uh, first-round game versus Washington State, um, we made a promise to each other, my friends Jeff Norton and Kevin Chartrand, if, if they were to escape this first-round game versus Washington State, we were going to drive all night and go to uh, Landover and uh, just kind of make our way up there and try to get into the game to see this matchup versus number one seeded North Carolina. So they won the game. We literally won the game, um, finished our night of, of, of uh, partying, and then, and then the next day, I think it was the day after, we, we made the trek the next night, and we drove 10 hours straight to, uh, to Maryland for the game. We had no tickets. We had no plan. We're, you know, 20, 21, 22-year-old kids trying to, continue this journey and uh this magic season for this boston college team we were huge huge fans and we show up we parked the car uh the first game was just getting uh the first game was just getting done and some of the indiana fans uh were leaving the building and we just happened to be standing outside and a couple indiana fans gave us their tickets their subs and we showed up uh, about five minutes before the BC game started, and we got these free tickets and was able to see one of the best moments that I've ever seen. And I've covered a lot of sports, but as a fan, that was one, one of the, it is the great, one of the greatest moments I've seen when BC upset that number one North Carolina team. you got to remember, that North Carolina team had Rasheed Wallace, Jerry Stackhouse, Eric Montross, and, uh, Dean you know, Smith was, was going strong. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, that was a huge win for us. And obviously they went on to beat Indiana and then eventually lost to Florida. But that was a magical run for a lot of the, our BC fans and I'm sure are listening right now. Yeah, that's, that's a great story. That team went all the way to the lead eight, too, and uh, exactly. had a good run down in Miami the next week or after that. Exactly. So that was kind of the that was kind of the trip that kind of started it all for me. You know, I got to I got a gig. Uh, because of that trip, I got a gig at CNN as a non-paid internship. I moved myself from Bill Ricker to Atlanta with uh, to a, basically a non-paying internship. Um, worked down there for about a year. Uh, got hooked up with some t- 
Turner Sports people and actually did the 1995 NBA playoffs wow. working for Turner Sports. And um, then I found out that a job was opening up at ESPN, and uh, I made a couple calls. Because of my time at Emerson, I'd done a couple internships. And i got to tell you, internships and calls are the best way to start networking and meeting people because those internships were inevitably are, are another reason why I got into where I am now. Uh, I called up an old friend, Bill Pito, who I work with at New England Cable News. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, he found out who, who the person was I needed to call. He went right into his office, and then the guy called me like an hour later. He's like, it was a Friday. I remember him saying, if you can get up here on Monday, I'll give you an interview. Wow. So you drove from Atlanta to Connecticut. 100%. I drove all weekend, got home. My mom bought me a new suit, and I went to the interview. And then I drove all the way back because I had to get back down there for playoffs. I got one day off. They let me get off one day up there. So, And I had no idea what was going to happen. And then a couple days later, the the guy called me back. It was actually Fred Gadelli, uh, the, the, one of the best, probably the best, uh, NFL producer out there who works and oversees the NBC coverage. Yes, he called me up and hired me, and uh, you know the rest, as they say, is history. But like I said, it all started from that magical moment in Washington when we saw that BC upset in North Carolina, and that trip with my friends, you know, my close friends from Bill Ricker who were there to support me to try to help me get to where I wanted to go. Um, it kind of all began there, and uh, I look back on that and really am thankful for those opportunities and those friendships that I had growing up. Yeah, that's a great story. It brings it all together on the BC Sports Podcast like this. That's unbelievable. Great story. So, and then talk about time, your time at ESPN. When I was there, I worked on, I remember the College World Series with you. You've been everywhere. Just talk about the different sports you've covered uh, in, in Bristol. Yeah, it's, it's been a great, great uh, run for me there. Uh, I'm, I'm coming up on 22 years and uh, was able to work on college football, college basketball, college World Series, Little League World Series, NFL. I made my, I really made my mark and really had the biggest, uh, I saw a lot of success moving up the ranks on NFL um, kind of in the um, early 2000s. As an AP, I did graphics and I was an ISO producer on NFL and it was through that producer, Jay Rothman, who, who, who's the producer now of Monday Night Football, that really helped me get to the next level and helped me get promoted to producer. Um, and I'm very, very thankful for that uh, relationship and that experience with him. But I became a producer in 2005, and it's been, you know, 12 years. It's just amazing opportunities, a lot of hard work, and, you know, ups and downs, just like in every career and every life. There's ups and downs, and there's moments when you're the king of kings and there's the moments when you're just trying to figure out what your next sport's going to be so it's an interesting uh you know it's an interesting way of uh it's an interesting career to yeah, say the least yeah no question you're you're calling us from the airport now you're on your way to la and then you're going back to washington dc for game three just let's fast forward to the nba coverage now just take our viewers behind the scenes maybe from a typical week in the process uh when you find out your assignment uh, i know it from a production assistant uh perspective of how you everyone you email the PA and get the graphics together and slides and just talk about for an average NBA say you know Wednesday night game what goes into that uh, it's a good question I mean there's a lot there's a lot that has to happen but it, it's it's the playoffs are unique you know it's 
you just I just found out my assignment literally 15 minutes ago, and I'm about to get on a plane to go to Los Angeles, like I, like you said, for another sport and other meetings. And um, I've already contacted all my announcers. I have, I am so lucky, Michael. I got I get to work with the great Ryan Rucco, Doris Burke, and Cassidy Hubbard. Um, and I'm just so fortunate to work with those guys because they make my life and the experience so much fun. Um, so I've already talked to them. We started the process of of trying to figure out uh, first and foremost schedules. When's everybody getting into town? Uh, any requests that they may have because your number one job as a producer is taking care of your talent. And we talked about who we wanted to interview, so we kind of decided that we were going to ask the PR departments for an interview with Isaiah Thomas and John Wall just to kind of use those sound bites to help tell stories of the Celtic seasons and the things that Isaiah has gone through and, 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 and that type of stuff. And then I will meet with my production staff later tonight or tomorrow morning and we will just brainstorm, you know, what are the elements we need to have? What vignettes do we need to have? What graphics should we have? What do we want to make special? You know, um, what's unique about the playoffs is, you know, it's not like you're waiting for a game. You have to wait for game two. Obviously they played game one yesterday. Game two is coming up tomorrow. And so you have to plan accordingly. You know, you have to, you can't overdo your planning because you have to wait to after game two. But, you know, the brainstorming starts now. I'm about to jump on a plane for five hours, and my job right now is to really format the show in my mind so I'm ready to lead a meeting tomorrow with my production staff, and we'll put together a game plan. Um, you know, and that'll start tomorrow. Then we'll fly into uh, D.C. on Wednesday. I'll be flying in from Los Angeles, uh, and uh, I'll meet with the crew Wednesday night just to review our plan for the next day. And then game day is just like a whirlwind tour, man. There's a lot going on. You know, 12 hours of just craziness to try to get on the air and, and produce a good show, Michael. And, you know, that's well said. And I, I always remember that, too. You're right about it. you could plan everything you want for game three, but game two is still tomorrow night, and that could change. You know, a guy like Isaiah Thomas loses a tooth. That becomes all of a sudden a storyline. So you're right. You can't really overthink it too much until, because you never know what's going to happen, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, exactly right. You never know what's going to happen. But I think, you know, my job is to, is to be prepared and have some stories that no matter what happens in game two or game one, that we're ready to go. And, uh, um, you know, and then leave room to be able to have some other additional stories and, and, elements and roll-ins and graphics that are reflected after the first two games of the series. And the series always takes a different turn when you go from a home team like they're in Boston for two games and then they kind of do their first game in Washington, D.C. So the whole dynamic of Game 3 is unique to me because it's like the whole character of the show flow changes because you're in Washington. And if they're hopefully down 2 nothing, I only say that because I'm a Celtics fan, <laughs> you know, it, it changes the whole dynamic of the telecast and kind of what we want to do. Jonathan, just talk to us too about uh, what goes on exactly during the game. I know you're talking to the talent. What else is your role during those two and a half hours during the actual game broadcast? Well, you know, a lot of that's uh, kind of listening and working with the announcers and really making, um, you know, really – trying to document the best replays and the best um, 
graphics that kind of are associated with what's going on in the game. You know, it's my number one job is to listen to the announcers and follow them and enhance the telecast by supporting them with good graphics and good um, graphics and good replays and just kind of getting in their ear and leading them to some of the sales priorities and the promo priorities and make sure we're doing our job with the money that's expected for us to kind of get into the show as it relates to sales and promos. And it's a lot of game management and flow and it's working with the announcers hand in hand to make sure that we're documenting the game properly, telling a few good stories and yada, 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 yada. Yeah, that, that's what I always found interesting. It's almost like the ESPN, your team, you're the third team playing during that broadcast. Obviously the two teams and then the, the broadcast team. But people realize you have to get billboards in, sales elements in. There's a lot of stuff on your checklist that you got to get done no matter how the way the game plays out. Yeah, I, I, I may I – can't, I can't let, like, my own kind of priorities get in the way of the bigger priorities of the show. Like, if I want to tell an Isaiah Thomas story or I want to tell a John Wall story, you know, I, I, I need to make that secondary – in hopes that I get all the other requirements in and then find ways to work in those other cool stories. But those those cool stories will happen regardless because the announcers will talk about them. And I just got to find, you know, really small windows to try to enhance the show with a cool graphic or a cool video element or, you know, just follow the game and just show replays and, and, and do that, you know. We're down to the final couple minutes here. Thanks so much for joining us. What's a favorite uh, game that you have in your mind in your career at ESPN? Is there one game that sticks out that you worked as a producer uh, that uh, was one of your favorites? Two. Uh, when I was uh, producing college basketball, I did uh, Indiana versus Kentucky. It was at Indiana. Kentucky was the number one team in the nation. Indiana was undefeated, uh, was not ranked. And I don't know if you remember that team. Victor Oladipo was on that team. And they hit a game-winning shot and beat Kentucky. Um, that was a huge, huge moment for me. And then just honestly, just two weeks ago or last week, I was in Memphis for really the, the one of the better NBA games that we've had. Uh, San Antonio-Memphis, in Memphis, Kawhi Leonard versus Mike Conley went down to the wire, went to overtime, and then Marcus Gasol hit a game-winning shot in overtime in the NBA playoffs. Wow. That was an amazing moment for me. And you, you were producing that one. Wow. Correct. And to, uh, do you have a favorite player to cover that you worked with, that you interviewed maybe before the game? Anyone sticks out? Any athlete across the board? Oh, honestly, I'm a big big fan of Isaiah Thomas. Man. I'm looking forward to seeing him. I've covered him about four or five times this year. And he's always very giving of his time and he's giving of – his feelings on the game and what's what's important and what's not important. So anytime you interview a person that's willing to open up and kind of share with them what their feelings are before a big playoff game like that, it's a big deal. No. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, it's amazing, too, that, you know, the crazy week he's had, the amount of stories from that flying overnight in Seattle, losing a tooth in the game. There's a lot of material right there. It's unbelievable this week he's had. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, it, it's growing up in Billerick, going to Emerson College and being a Boston guy to be able to produce a Celtics game uh, after being in ESPN for 22 years and some truth. So a lot of people helped me get to where I am, and I just say 
the biggest thing is just to work your ass off and build relationships and just remember that everyone's judging you and everyone is always grading you, not only on your work ethic, but how you are as a person. I think that's very, very important that a lot of young people may not realize that relationships and how you treat people is very important in order to get to where you want to go. Yeah, that's very good advice, very good advice. And as you're traveling now, last question, what's your craziest travel story? It must be a moment in covering uh, a crazy story for, for you. Well, uh, I was a young production assistant uh, traveling to Buffalo for a, a Sunday night football game back in the late 90s, and I was with the producer, Fred Goodelli, and uh, very intimidated with this guy because he's the boss, and, you know, I'm a young PA. I've been at the company, like, two years, and we're traveling on a plane, on a little prop prop plane flying to Buffalo, and the plane started to jerk and started to kind of look like it was going down, and I remember we we literally both grabbed each other's arms and hands and looked at each other, and we didn't say a word to each other, but we were like, I think we were both saying, are you kidding me? I'm going to have to go down with this guy. I know, we were both, <laughs> I know we were both thinking the same thing, but thank God that the plane, um, you know, it, it, it kind of got back to level, and, and we kind of we laugh about it to this day, about that moment. It's funny how, how a moment like that resonates and stays with you, you know? Yeah, no question about it. We wish you all the best. Thanks so much for taking time out. I know you're on a plane right now. Squeeze us in on the Lights, Camera, Sports podcast. John Lobovich, senior producer at ESPN, uh, will be covering the Celtics-Wizards Game 3. We'll be sure, uh, sure to tune into that one. It should be exciting. Yeah, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. I'm, uh, like I said, I love the way you're – I love how passionate you are with Boston College sports. and uh, When you have uh, – Please, please remember me when you have Billy Curley on and, and he wants to talk about that 94 game. I'd love to join you for that, my man. There we go. That's great. We'll make, I'll make sure to do that. Well said. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast. All right. Take care. All right. And thanks once again to Jonathan Lebovich, senior producer, ESPN, uh, covering the NBA playoffs. Worked out really well as he's covering the Celtics this weekend against the Wizards in Game 3 from Washington, D.C. Very interesting to hear his stories. And you realize how much goes in behind the scenes when you're watching the NBA game on television, and for all those sports for that matter. like to remind everybody, you can check us out. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, the Lights, Camera, Sports. Also, we're available on SoundCloud and the BC Interruption SB Nation website. If you want to advertise on Lights, Camera, Sports, email lightscamerasportsads, ads, at gmail.com. Once again, thanks so much for joining us here on the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast. This is Mike Galtieri signing off.